We're looking at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. The sermon title, Listening. Are you listening? Are you a good listener? Reminds me of a uh, story about a pastor, a lawyer, and a doctor. And they're going hunting. They've all gone in together. They've got a deer lease. They're going deer hunting. They all have the same rifle. They're able to share the same shells. And as they're getting out of the truck to go on the way to their lease, right as they walk in there, they see this huge buck run out in front of them. They all raise their rifles, and they shot simultaneously. The buck falls down. They go over there to the buck, and, and the pastor says, I, I, think, I think it was my bullet. I think, I, I think it was my shell that shot him. I think, that, I, I, think I hit him. And the doctor says, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm certain it was me. I, I killed him. And the lawyer said, no, you guys have no idea. I, I, certainly, it, it was me. I know. I can prove it. About that time, a game warden walks up. Game warden says, uh, what's going on, guys? I said, well, we, uh, we all shot this deer at the same time. We shot this buck at the same time. Game warden went over and inspected, and he goes, um, so you don't know which one? You don't, y'all don't know who shot it, do you? I said, no. He said, I, I know who shot it. He said, how do you know who shot it? He goes, look here. The bullet went in one ear and right out the other. It was the preacher. <laughs> We don't always listen real well. We don't always pay attention real well. I hate it when that happens. All right. What was I talking about anyway? Listening, that's right, and being distracted. Listening and being distracted. Uh, we're going to look at the text here. And as we look at the text, here's something to remember. The first eight chapters, particularly seven, seven and eight chapter of the Gospel of Luke, um, what we see is Jesus revealing who he is. But then in chapters 9 through 18, he's revealing to us what a disciple is. What a disciple is. Now, I'm going to give this phone off um, and put this back here because some of you can't help but keep focusing on it and not being distracted. And uh, actually, I did that on purpose. The reason I did that is because even after that phone went off and I talked, how many of you were still focused on that phone? You're thinking, that phone might go off again. And you see that phone, and it was interesting. Stanford did a a research uh, a couple of years ago, just two or three years ago, Stanford University on people's communication and their ability to communicate and they found out when someone just had a phone that was visible didn't even have to be on if it was just sitting on the table that people listened on an average 40 percent less they could recall 40 percent less of the conversation than if that phone was hidden I think one of the most and this is not a a message against cell phones by the way Uh, I've got one and you've got one what I am telling you is that in our world today, it's easy to be easily, we're easily distracted. And when we're talking about listening to the God of the universe, what are we doing to limit those distractions? I talk to people all the time that say, I, I, I can't hear from God. 
I don't seem to sense him. I, I, don't, I don't hear him. He's speaking, and I don't know. I, don't, I just don't hear him. And, and so often, as we dig a little deeper, we find there are a lot of distractions. We're not making the time, not taking the effort. We're not consistent in worship, not consistent in prayer. Most prayers are just uh, throw out, God, do this for me, give me this. And the truth be told, if we're going to hear from God, we have to be in a position to listen to God. And so I want to encourage you to consider that as we look at this message today titled, Are You Listening? There's a great book by Gordon McDonald called Renewing Your Spiritual Passion uh, that I would encourage you to consider. And I think we're going to have a couple of copies out there, but it's one that you can get that is very helpful uh, in this topic, and uh, some of the notes that I have are from that book. And uh, as we look at this text, I want you to think about that and think about that seriously. And so, as we start, uh, let's ask that self. Let's ask this question: Are you listening? And we're going to look at Martha and Mary here in just a moment. And you, you're very familiar with the story. You've heard the scripture read. And I got a confession to make to you. I've always read this story and been just a little bit defensive. I mean, Martha, I think Martha gets bad rap, quite frankly. I know Martha didn't do things right. And I know there's a lot of things we can learn from, that, that, from what Martha did wrong. I, I get it. But to be honest with you, I'm a Martha. That's the problem. That's why I'm defensive of Martha, okay? Because Martha talks first. Martha jumps out there and she takes, she takes control, she takes the lead she makes things happen. And, and you know what? I am thankful for all you Marthas in this church. I want you to know that. I'm looking at some of the Marthas. And I want to tell you, thank you for being a Martha. Okay? You, because of you, we have a great missions program. We have a great children's program, great student program. Because you get out there and you serve and you get after it. You help. Our, our men of Nehemiah, whatever it is, you get out and you make it happen. God uses you. Sometimes you're in the flesh, I'm sure. Uh, but you get out and you make some things happen. You cook the meals, you serve, you lead, you jump out when there's a need, you're a Martha. And that's a good thing. And what I think we see from this passage, it's great to be a Martha under the spirit of Christ, in the spirit we sometimes called it, as opposed to being a Martha in the flesh. And, and let me just say this before we get in this text. Then there's Mary. We all look at Mary and go, oh, sweet Mary. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she didn't do anything. <laughs> and um, I don't think that's quite true. And if you think, you know, the most godly thing to do is do nothing but just sit there and listen, well, you're in the flesh too, just in a different way, okay? That's the opposite side of Martha being a bull in a china closet, hurting people's feelings and making things happen. But it's not always godly to just go, yeah, I don't do anything. I just listen. I remember I had a, <laughs> I, there was a lady who came to this church a long time ago. And um, she had a lot of advice, as, as some of you do. She had a lot of advice about th- things that we should do. And I said, well, let me ask you, how, how are you serving? What would you like? How would you like to help? Oh, no, God's just called me to just worship and watch. <laughs> I said, really? I said, and, and give a lot of commentary too, right? And she goes, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I've been called to do. <laughs> that's called in the flesh too, okay? Um, you know, kind of my rule is if you come up and if it has any validity at all and you think we ought to do something, my, my first question is, why don't you do it? <laughs> come here and be like, God bless you. And, um, and a lot of people go, well, not me. I don't think you should do it. Well, that's probably not the spirit prompting you. 
Um, you know, sometimes there are, there are obvious things we need to know. Uh, but sometimes it's easy uh, to, be, to make a judgment without being a part of the solution. And that is Mary in the flesh, okay? So Mary, the, the sweet one, the quiet one, uh, who we will honor and certainly handles this situation and I think was not, uh, we don't see any indications that she was lazy. By the way, Jesus never gives us a uh, stamp of approval for being lazy. Uh, we're never given that. We, he never calls laziness godliness. But we do see that Mary understands the moment. She understands the time. And so as we read this passage, I think there is much we can learn from this passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, beginning with 38. And we're going to see uh, some good lessons here. We're going to see that Martha was distracted and that her understanding of Christ had become distorted. Now, as they went on their way, and by the way, this is Jesus and the disciples. How many does he have? Anybody remember? Twelve. Now, he also appointed, we know just the chapter before, he's appointed 72 followers. So there, there are many followers. We'll, we'll call them apostles for this end. There's 12 apostles with him. Um, but there are many followers, many disciples of Christ. As a matter of fact, by the way, there are women who are disciples of Christ. As a matter of fact, Mary appears to be one of them. So there are many followers, many people who are learning and being taught and are spreading the message of Christ. And uh, it appears, though, that the 12 plus Jesus would make 13. The Bible says we know he's on his way to Jerusalem. and says now as they're on their way, Jesus has already claimed that he's going to Jerusalem. He's even told them that he's going there to die. Jesus entered a village. And the way the Greek is written here, we know this is intentional. This is not just, oh, by the way, uh, we see this little village was stopped. He's intentionally going to this village. And we know this village to be Bethany from John chapter 12. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So this is Martha welcoming Jesus into her house. Now we know that Jesus had the 12, but he also had three disciples that he, was, he spent extra time with, that he was very close with. Uh, and so we know that. We also know that he had three friends, three friends in the New Testament, in the Gospels that we hear more about than anybody else. And you know who those were? Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So, so these are his Friends in ministry, maybe people that he, maybe kids that he grew up with, and we don't know, but he has a special bond because we hear more about them than anybody else that wouldn't be considered one of the twelve. So this is a place that he would go sometimes to rest, a place that he would go for encouragement, a place he would go for hospitality, <clears throat> and he's going to Martha's house. Now notice that the passage says this is the house of Martha. So we see some seniority, we see some leadership here. Uh, definitely the, the type A personality. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, sat at the Lord's feet. Now, this was a common expression. If there, were, was, there, if there was a particular rabbi or even philosopher or teacher uh, whom you really liked, when they would come to your area, it was customary. You would go and you would sit out on the ground, and they would either sit on a stool or stand, and they would teach you, and you would sit at their feet. That was a kind of a technical term that was used in that time. And so it meant that, hey, 
I'm a student, I'm a disciple, of, I'm a believer, or at a minimum, I am seeking to learn. I'm wanting to be like this individual. I am in their school. I am in their camp. And so that term we see used, it was literal and figurative. And we see right here that Mary has chosen to sit at his feet. Obviously, Jesus is teaching. He is speaking. He is speaking truth. He's speaking his word. And she's sitting at his feet. By the way, as a woman, which was unusual in that culture. Uh, a lot of times people talk about uh, the gospel and about Christianity being uh, exclusive and um, being uh, even diminishing to women. But really, Jesus, what Jesus is doing in this culture is pretty radical. And so she is sitting at his feet, along with the men, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening, learning, gleaning. But Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted. There's that word, distracted. She's distracted. But some of us can kind of appreciate Martha, can't we? I mean, there's 13 preachers show up at your house, and um, your sister was helping, but now she's gone on in to help, and she's sitting there, and she's left Martha alone. And Martha's trying to put this four-course meal together, She's trying to get the appetizer ready. She's trying to get the drinks. She's trying to get the main course and the sides and maybe even a dessert. She's out there working alone. And she's cooking and turning things over and flipping things and heating things. She's getting mad. And there's steam coming out of her ear. She's mad. Where is Mary? Mary, get in there and help me. Don't you know she was saying that? And Mary's just listening. And Martha's getting mad, angrier and angrier. And who is the most important person in the world probably to Martha? It's Jesus. We know earlier that he had raised Lazarus from the dead. She's got great appreciation and great respect. But if you want to see her type A personality, what does she say to Jesus when he first comes? Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't be dead. First thing came out of her mouth. And now here we are again. Lord, Tell that girl to get in here. Matter of fact, that's literally what she's going to say right here. Martha's distracted, and she went up to him. She goes up to Jesus. She's welcome, Jesus. Oh, come on in. Come on and eat. All of you, come on and eat. Sit down. She starts putting the meal together. Mary leaves and goes sit, sits at the feet of Jesus. And she's getting angry. She's putting everything in. And she's probably yelled for Mary a couple times. And the Bible says, and she went up to him. She didn't go to Mary. She goes up to Jesus, and she says, Lord Do you not care that my sister has left me here alone? Jesus, do you not care? Now, first of all, this has got to be incredibly embarrassing to Mary. You know, sweet Mary, sitting there, melancholy Mary. She's sitting there listening to Jesus. And and Martha's done with her. She's probably yelled two or three times. She's now going straight to Jesus. And she's telling Jesus, do you not care? I mean, like she's not even there. Do you not care? That she's left me alone? Do you not care? Tell her to help me. Hey, has that ever been you? God, don't you care? Don't you see what's going on in my life right now? Don't you understand what I'm doing? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see what I'm doing for you? God, I'm serving, going to church, working with those snotty-nosed kids. I'm shaking hands with people. I'm even smiling at people I don't like. God, don't you see what I'm doing? Don't you care? And, And here I am, and I'm struggling. Don't you care? Ever had that attitude? If you've got a type A personality, I guarantee you. You might have. Some of you got it right now. I can tell why you're looking at me. 
then help me. Send some other people. I'm sick of seeing all these other people sitting down not helping. Tell him to help. But the Lord answered, and he goes, Martha, Martha. Now, anytime you see a name used twice in Scripture, it is a serious heaviness. It's a big deal. It, sh- it shows emotion. It shows heart. It shows intense heaviness. If you go back in the Old Testament and you see, for example, when David's son died, Absalom, Absalom, the heaviness in his heart. Um, you, you go to Peter after the cock throwed three times. and Before that, he, he said, Peter, Peter. Jesus, in just a couple of weeks, as he'll look over Jerusalem before his time of execution, and as he perceives what will happen with Jerusalem and how it will be decimated, he goes, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Anytime you see the, a name repeated twice, there's an intense heaviness. Uh, it, there's an intense concern. So, so Jesus has a real concern for Martha here, and he goes, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. You're trying to put all this stuff together. Hey, man, just make me a sandwich <laughs> and come sit here and, and be with us. I'm not going to be here for long. Quit worried about all that. Quit stressing everybody out. Get me some soup and let's sit down and eat and let's talk. He said, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Literally what he's saying, there, there is a best thing. There is a, what is really important is literally what he's saying. Mary has chosen the good portion. Your translation, if it's King James or NASB or several others will say, is the good part. Mary has chosen the good part. What is important right now? What we should be focused on. And it will be not taken away from her. So we see that the reason Martha wasn't listening. First of all, she was distracted. She was distracted with doing good stuff. But missing the main point. The second thing we see is that her faith, her understanding of Christ, her understanding of what was important at that point was distorted. Lord, don't you care? You often hear that from people who are doing a lot but not getting the expected results, not getting what they want from Jesus. Life's not going the way that I anticipated or the way that I had hoped or even the way I think you ought to make it for me. And it distorts our prayer. And this is literally a prayer. I mean, she's coming to the Lord and she's making a request. Don't you care? so easy for us to get our, have our prayer life get distorted, isn't it? I don't think it's by coincidence, by the way, that the story before this is the story of the Good Samaritan, and then right after this uh, is on prayer. And we're going to talk about that next week, and so you can go ahead and read on ahead. I think that'll be important. But before this, you have the story of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan basically is a lesson about, hey, when you see a need, regardless who it is, and you have it within your power... Then, then minister to that need. Show the love of Christ. Love your neighbor. It's the second great commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. But now Jesus is taking a step back. And you know what the only greater commandment than to love your neighbor as yourself is? 
It's this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. To love the Lord that God with all that you are. Here's the Lord God sitting in the presence. And Martha's doing a good thing. She's going to love her neighbor. She's going to serve the neighbor. She's going to be hospitable. She's going to get a lot of things done. It's going to be a good meal. Everybody's going to press. I'm going to walk. Boy, that Martha, she can cook. That was delicious. But can I tell you this? I love going to eat at people's houses. I, I, I love to be fed. I, I mean, I just love it. And, uh, and that's a great thing. And I love a great meal. But have you ever been to somebody's house where apparently they have been fighting before you got there? They've been arguing, and you can kind of feel it, and there's that tension, and the wife will say something, the husband will retort back, and then the wife will hit a zinger. Ooh. You know, the meal's not quite as good at that point. It kind of makes me nervous. Not, not, not near as much fun. And the basic premise is this, is, is, is a nice meal is not so good if the attitude and the spirit is not good. If there's an anger or an intensity or resentfulness, it affects the whole meal, doesn't it? You just want to get in and get out. Obviously, I'm here at a bad time. I'll just take these and go. I mean, that's what you're kind of thinking, you know? And that's the situation with Martha. That tension is there. And Mary's just saying, hey, it's our opportunity to be with Jesus, to listen, to, to worship. She's not, distract- she's not distracted. As a matter of fact, we know from the text there, it says that she was there and she, she left her. Martha said, she left me. shows that Mary was helping. She didn't just go, oh, Jesus is here. I'll sit down and not care about anything. She's been helping Martha, but there came a point where she thought, you know, we got enough. Martha's going to go the extra mile here. She's going to fold the napkin. She's going to get all, everything just straight. She's going to try to make a dessert. But, you know, Jesus is here. He's not going to be here long. And she's probably, t- probably told Martha this. But Martha is so distracted that it's distorted her understanding of God. And she's missing the devotion. The devotion to Christ. Good question first. Why aren't we listening? Well, there's three, ris- li- there's three reasons that we don't listen to God today. We don't hear from here. Um, the, the first one I didn't list in this passage, but some of us are get devastated. We just kind of get devastated. Maybe you've had a tremendous loss or something has hit you really hard and you're in shock. Just like when Martha came that first time to Jesus, her brother had died. She goes, Lord, if you'd only been here. And it distorts our prayer and how we see Christ and what we think he is. And it just kind of erases the paradigm of understanding. And we have to confess that. God, I'm, I'm devastated. My loss has been great and I want to hear the Lord help me. But more often than not, it's we get distracted. You know, I just have so much going on at work right now. I got so much going on here. I'm making money here. I'm losing money here. And I the time, and I'm having to travel, and I'm having to do this. And we get distracted. We're always doing things, and we're thinking, Lord, uh, if I can get through this season, I get through this year. If I get through these times, then I'm going to spend some time with you. If you're not careful, you do that to your wife and your children as well. That's called being distracted. It's called missing the main thing. And if you keep on in that spirit of distraction, then you go into distortion. And you start thinking, I'm doing this for everybody else. I deserve more. I deserve it. 
God, I, I don't have time right now, but God, I do need you to bless me. And we get mad when God doesn't do what we want him to do. And we don't thank him when he blesses us. We start to think it's about us. Distraction. Distortion. And can I tell you this? Usually the next step is devastation. Because we start missing the Lord. We start missing what's going on in our life. We start missing our kids. We start missing our wife. start missing our husband start missing our friends, we look up and we've wasted our life serving, doing things that we thought were important and were necessary, but we got consumed by them. We no longer hear God. We no longer hear others. Where are you today? I think there's some things that we can do, but before we go to that, I want us to look at one last passage in John chapter 12. This is an account of the same story, I believe. Some would disagree with me, but I believe this is the exact same story in John chapter 12. And I want you to look at verse 1 through 3, and it'll give us a little background to understand exactly what Mary's doing here. Six days before the Passover, Jesus then came to Bethany. We mentioned that was the village that they were talking about, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. And Martha served, we know that, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table. So Lazarus is there with Mary, listening to Jesus, and Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment and made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now we don't know if this has happened before Martha has Um, had her confrontation with Jesus or after. I kind of think it was probably right after. We're not sure uh, exactly where in the process of that meal was. But do you see Mary's focus now? Mary was with Martha. She left Martha to come and spend time with Jesus. And she's listening. And maybe she's one of the few people that understand, you know, Jesus said, "I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. I'm going to suffer. And whatever it is about the Spirit, the Spirit moves her to take a costly... Uh, vase of vase or vase or, or container of perfume, much like we know a couple weeks before what's happened, um, which, by the way, Simon, if you'll remember, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the woman of sin who broke the alabaster perfume over the feet of Jesus and also wiped uh, her hair, wiped his feet. That happened in Simon's home. Guess where Simon's from? Bethany. So that didn't happen in the same town this is happening, but it's, it happened in the home of Simon. You think Simon told his mother and his relatives what happened there? And here we are a couple weeks later, just a few miles away in Bethany, and, and Mary's heard that story. So now Mary does the same thing. She's there before Jesus. She's listening. She's worshiping. And she takes probably what was most valuable to her. She takes this... Um, bottle of nard and she breaks it and she pours it on his feet which as we talked about before you can go back a couple weeks weeks ago to the message that was something that would only be done for the highest respected individual somebody that you wanted to bring great honor to usually be a king and she's taking that and when she's poured it on his feet it fills the room and she uses her hair to wash his feet a sign of ultimate humility and she is giving worship. And 
Matter of fact, if you go on and read in John chapter 12, that's when Judas says, what is this woman doing? We could have sold that, we could have sold that perfume and made a mint and given it to the poor. And Jesus said, leave her alone. The poor with you have always. She has done this for my burial. She's doing this as an act of worship. And whether she fully understands, probably not, the Spirit of God has moved her. And now she is pouring out this ornament and she is giving him worth-ship. What does the word worship mean? Worth, value, honor. I'm giving you worth-ship. And God, I don't know how, I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. I know I value you. I know I love you and I want to give you worship. I want to listen And I want it to be an overflow of my heart of worship. And that's exactly what is transpiring here. So I ask you this morning, as we read that text, it said, Mary has given, remember he said, the best part. She's giving of her heart, soul, and mind. She's listening. She's serving. She's worshiping. Are you giving the best part to Christ Jesus as a follower? That's what it means to be at the feet of Jesus to listen, to worship, to give of the best part. And how do I do that? And let me give you four practical applications as we close. Number one, have a place. The best part is this, have a place. Is there a place that you've designated to spend with the Lord? That might be a chair, table, might be in your car, might be a closet, whatever. Is there a place that you intentionally say, hey, every night or every morning, I'm going to meet the Lord at this place. If you will do that, that'll really help you in this process of hearing God, of listening to God. Number two, the right attitude. You see, Martha, she was serving, she was doing all kinds of stuff, but her attitude was, hey, we got to get this stuff done so we can have food for Jesus, so that, quite frankly, so that I can be rewarded for my service, so I can feel better about myself because I've done a lot of stuff and everybody got to enjoy it, enjoy it and I I can feel good about that. And she said, no, it's not about you feeling good about yourself or you having a meal that makes everybody happy. And everybody goes, oh, that was delicious, Martha. You sure are a good cook. Oh, you do the best bread. No, Martha, the best thing is being with me, giving me worship. Your attitude, one of humility, one of I just want to be with you. I want to worship, a heart of worship. Number three, relationship. Her greatest focus was the relationship. Mary was focused on the relationship. Martha was focused on the task. Mary was focused on his beauty. Martha was focused on, his, on her duty. And any time we let our duty trump our relationship with God, we start to say, it's about loving my neighbor. i got to get all this stuff done. And we quit loving God. What, what invariably will happen, inevitably will happen, is we'll get an attitude about it. And Martha has that attitude. And now it's affecting her relationship. You know, another part of that relationship, you need to have somebody in your life that's speaking truth. Somebody that confronts you. Somebody that's giving you godly counsel. Whether that be a friend or a parent. Someone younger or older. Who is that that knows you? Who are you in community with that you allow them to speak truth in your life? And when you start saying these ridiculous things, they can go, you need to be quiet. Your heart's not right. That's why I think it's important that we be in biblical community. And that's why we have small groups and prayer groups, men's groups, women's groups. That's important. And then lastly, time. Are you spending time? Time. What is your time? If you have a place and an attitude 
and you want to develop that relationship, what is the time that you're spending with him? Again, that may be in the morning. It may be in your car on the way to work. It may be at night before you go to bed. It may be a designated time during the day. But are you taking time to worship, to listen? And how do we hear God primarily today? Right here, through his word. If, there's not a, if you're not taking time to hear what he says, then how can you listen? what he says if you're simply doing the mark lord don't you care do something god's speaking but his primary way of speaking today is through his word hey guys that's why we have classes that are going on right now that's why we have bible studies all throughout the week we want you to hear from god but if you're not in his word you're not going to hear from him period that's where it's going to start it's going to start with a spirit of prayer and worship and again, the way that he primarily speaks today. I know a lot of times we'll go, well, I just wait for that special feeling. Let me tell you this. Your feelings can get manipulated. And I will trust your feelings if you are daily spending time letting his word, his spirit wash over you. But when we get away from that and we start saying, I'm just waiting for a feeling, then you're probably producing your own Holy Spirit yourself. You're determining what God is saying and what you want, and you're letting that influence. When we come to Scripture, we're going to read it sometimes, and we're going to go, I, I don't like that. That's how you know it's God. <laughs> if you like everything, every decision makes you feel good, and you're comfortable, and you're peace, and that's probably just you. But when I study Scripture, and I'm confronted, and I go, hey, that's me. I'm Martha. Then I have to take inventory of my life. And I recognize that's, that's me. I start doing a lot of good things and I miss worship. I miss hearing God. What about you? There was a little girl one day out in time and her dad was a pastor. And he was a pastor of a fairly decent sized church. And one particular week he'd been really busy. He had done a couple of funerals. He had done a wedding. And he had been out every night. And he had not had any time really with his family, particularly his little girl. He'd come home each night, and she would already be in bed. And so as he's going through that process, his daughter was waiting. She had some things she wanted to share, some things she wanted to tell him. She tried to tell him in, in, in the morning as he was leaving. He said, honey, I'm sorry, i got to go. Well, now it's Saturday night, and again, he's been gone all day. He comes in, and she hears him come in, and uh, she walks out of her room after a little bit after bedtime, and she sees him walking upstairs to his sky room. He called it his sky room. And he went up there. That was his place to pray and to study and to prepare. And it was understood by all the kids that no one was, once daddy went up that room, you don't knock on the door, you don't go up there, leave him alone. That's daddy's time to study and pray. So just leave him alone. That's for, for the forbidden door, so to speak. But she just couldn't stand it anymore. So she goes creeping up the stairs. And he heard somebody coming up the stairs. And so his blood pressure went up a little bit. He's trying to study. He's trying to prepare. And he goes and he stands behind the door. And sure enough, there comes that little knock. He hears a knock. He opens that door ready to chastise her. She goes, Daddy, I know you're busy, but you've been gone all week. And I haven't had a chance to just love you. And so the pastor got down on his knees right there on those steps. And he embraced his daughter. For a moment he hugged her and they just loved each other for a while and then after a couple of moments the door closed and he was still on his knees and he looked up to the Lord and he said Lord 
I've been busy doing a lot of stuff, a lot of serving this week. I haven't taken time to love you. So on his knees, for a few moments, he worshiped. This morning, being a follower of Christ, being a disciple of Christ, more than anything else, starts with worship. If you already know Christ, there's nothing he desires more from you than true worship. And that worship will lead you to service. But if you start with service and you don't worship, then you'll be a Martha. Where are you this day? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful story of worship, of service. Lord, help us to define where we are today. Are we a Martha in the flesh? Are we a Martha in the spirit? Are we a Mary in the flesh? Are we a Mary in the spirit? Lord, are we doing much serving, much stuff, but little worship? I pray, Lord, as we come to you this morning, if there's those who don't know you, I pray today they would come to know you as Savior, that they would come to worship the living and everlasting God. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, who are disciples of Christ, Lord, I pray that we would recommit to make worship the principal aspect of our life, to have a place, to have the right attitude, to focus on the relationship, and to put time into our worship, to make a time to worship you. Let us be about the best part and not let us be distracted and disillusioned. For those, Lord, who are suffering this morning, Lord, I pray today that they would worship you. There's strength, there's healing in the Lord. And as we worship you, Lord, you begin to strengthen our spirits, renew our hope. Let us embrace you. Lord, as we sing this song, let us do this. It's the best part as we give our worship. Without asking, Lord, what are you doing? Why don't you do this? for Lord, we just want to worship you for who you are. So we thank you for this time. In your name I pray. Amen.